Hello Marlins fans and welcome to the first regular season episode this year in 2022 of Swings and Mishes. I'm your co-host and producer Jeremy Taché, joined as always by the man right here, Craig Mish. His birthday this week. Craig, how you doing, man? This birthday I can accept the number. Next year we're going to it's going to be very <laughs> depressing. It's going to be a very I'll leave it at that. It's going to be very depressing next year cuz I'm turning 30 next year. No. I'm wow, 30. Uh, yeah, yeah. You thought you thought 30 was old. A lot of people listening to this, my gosh, but great to be with you. I'm glad that we can do a podcast after a win. Yes. I, I sort of put out the messages yesterday to everyone involved. Hey, look, you lose tonight. You know what this pot you know what this podcast is going to be tomorrow. You get swept by St. Louis. So thankfully, at least a win came out of this series, but uh, you know, clearly a tough uh tough series against uh, the Cardinals and you know, through 12 games, 5 and 7, not the best, not the worst probably somewhere in on the disappointment level of higher than I expected. But look, long season and, you know, certainly we'll get into all of it today. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, with that win over St. Louis, it is a, a a winning homestand for the Marlins, four and three after starting one and four. So at least a decent bounce back for them. And obviously that last win certainly colors that differently, just like we talked about. Um, and, and specifically, we can get into last night's performance um, from Pablo Lopez who was just sensational yet again. The Marlins pitchers have been pretty good here in the early part of the season. We saw Sandy pitch really well the night before, unfortunately, in a loss. Jesus Lazardo had his one great start to start the year. Eliezer Hernandez has had a good start so far. The only guy who's really who struggled at all in, in, a, in a greater way has been Trevor Rogers, and, and Mel Stottlemyre seems to have some stuff in mind to get that back on track if you watched him on the broadcast. But Pablo Lopez in particular and his .52 ERA through three starts. What are your thoughts here on, on Pablo and the rest of the pitchers, Craig? Yeah, well, with Pablo, it's really not that surprising because I think we're going on almost year three of, of him getting off to really good starts. It's just this one in particular has been better than the last two. So, I, I mean, there's no doubt that if he makes 30 starts over the course of the season, he's going to be in the conversation for for the all-star game and, and even maybe for Cy Young, who knows, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but, but look, it's, it's all about health with him. There's really nothing else. And, and the Marlins, you know, kind of Jeremy have to make sort of a decision on, on what to do with Pablo, because I mean, do you, he's getting closer to the point where he's going to become a free agent. If Pablo is healthy for the next two seasons, then he's going to be basically unsignable at that point. Right. And, the, you know, they've already given Sandy a $55 million contract extension. And so, you know, I'm not sitting here advocating for them all of a sudden to lock Pablo up because, look, I mean, his health has been an issue. I understand that. But uh, some sort of decision is going to have to be made here. Dare I say, do you sell high on the performance that he's had so far? Do you just ride out what's been going on so far? It's, it's a very difficult one because they didn't even know really what they were going to get going into the season. Remember, he just had to come back at the end of the year. He threw that one inning. He didn't yep. look great, didn't look great in the spring. Now, all of a sudden, he's the best pitcher in the National League. So <laughs> crazy. Yeah, so uh, it's the stock market with baseball. It really is. And stock right now on Pablo Lopez, healthy, pitching better than anyone in the National League, is at an all-time high. So clearly the Marlins will will have to dig deep and, and make a decision here. Maybe it's just as simple as continuing to let it go. But I would say, Jeremy, in the next six months, probably, if this continues, they're going to have to make a decision uh, on him one way or the other, whether it's extending him or trading him or 
just letting this ride out. Uh, I don't think the letting the ride out is the perfect scenario here, but without a doubt, he has been uh, as, as good as he's ever been through the first three starts of the season. He's been sensational, and what, what's what's so fun to watch with Pablo, and, and I actually remember we had similar conversations about Sandy, which I think the biggest thing with Sandy was sort of gaining the confidence that he could throw any of his pitches anywhere, at any time, at any count, and feeling comfortable with the ability to do that. And Pablo is someone who has had to have the same thing where his stuff is good enough. Let me pitch with the level of confidence that I can I can bounce pitches. I can do different things. And to me, having Jacob Stallings behind the plate has done wonders for a pitcher like Pablo Lopez who needs to have the trust that, okay, if I bounce this changeup with runners on base, my catcher is going to be there to block it right. and, and is on the same page as me, right? And when you're a pitcher who, who pitches, Pablo can go up to 95, 96 miles an hour, but with finesse, right? He's a pitcher who pitches with finesse. Having a gold glove catcher behind him, I think, has been tremendous for him to start. Um, let's move to the offensive side of the ball, where we've seen sort of the platoon so far for Miami. We've seen a number of guys get a, get a bunch of at-bats. I just want sort of your thoughts on the way um, the lineup has been managed so far and handled in terms of distribution of at-bats across the way um, and, and sort of what we've seen from Miami on the offensive side of the ball so far. Yeah, well, well, the offense in general has been a pretty big struggle. I, I think it goes without saying there's there's really only been like two and a half maybe players that have been consistent since the beginning of the season. I guess you could try and stretch it to three. And and, and look, I know everyone has, has had huge problems with the lineup and huge problems with the distribution, as you mentioned, and the platooning. But, you know, in the end, this is like the first year ever that Don Mattingly has, has sort of worked with the analytics team to say, Let's let's give ourselves what we think is the best chance to win on every pitch. And this is not something that Donnie really has done throughout the course of his career. And it's and I kind of feel it's like sort of unfortunate that it didn't work out in the first two weeks of the season where you looked at it and they tried to play the numbers and they tried to play it. Donnie's on board. He's like, you know, just you know, give me give me what you think needs to be right. done. He's still he's making the lineups. OK, no one is making the lineups. But Don Manny, let's be clear on that. But I think he's just been super open to altering his thinking in the past and you know jazz will get into a lot but he led off you know obviously in, in the last game and, and and in years past it was d gordon it was it was it's jazz it's it's always been that fast guy that donnie has yeah. wanted at the top of the lineup this is the first year where <laughs> you know he kind of was like all right you know give give me what you think is the best lineup they all work together they did it and it didn't really work out. And everybody on social media is bullying Don Mattingly like crazy. You know, I, I think there's probably some people in the organization, you know, maybe not even on the baseball side that are like, hey, we got to get this guy jazz at the top. He's exciting. He's, you know, he's fun and, and the whole thing. But in the end, you know, Donnie wants to win just as much as anybody else. I feel like he really got a bad rap here with, with, uh, with the way that everything went down. I don't think that he he's been stubborn at all. It was only no. 11 games into the season till he made this switch. And so I, I still think a lot of this mixing and matching is going to continue. He, uh, you know, I, I think is more open to different ideas. He's willing to change and alter. But the people who want jazz at the top of the lineup, at least temporarily, I, I think they got their wish. Uh, you know, that being said, and and I and I do want to spend a lot of time here because I did talk to Jazz, but yeah, um, uh, I'll, uh, I do want to say that if if you if you think that Jazz at this moment is good, very good against left-handed pitching, you have not done your research on on his past, his present, 
He has not been good at all against lefties. That may change in the future, and he may end up being the superstar that everybody thinks. But whether it is inside this organization or outside, I spent a lot of time doing research outside of what other people, other scouts, other organizations think about Jazz. To a man, the only thing that was the common thread in all of this, you know, fun player, great player, yes, all those things, cannot succeed at the moment against left-handed pitching. So, hmm. so until that changes, I don't, I still don't think that he is going to lead off against lefties on a consistent basis. Now, will he bat at the top of the lineup against righties? I don't know. I'm not making the live, Jeremy. I have no idea. There can be, there can be an argument for that. Yes, I understand all that. But that was the knock early on his career. It is still the knock now. And and the Marlins saying they're going to put their players in the best chance to succeed. I do think that includes, uh, you know, a, an occasional sit or an occasional pinch hit or an occasional move down with Jazz against lefties. And I know people don't want to hear that, but the data backs that up. And you can trust me if you want. You don't have to if you don't. Spoke to a lot of people who are listening here, and these are people I trust on a very high level outside of the organization. We're talking about people who know the game, who right. understand the game, people who, uh, and I'll leave it at that, can't can't sure. go any further, all told me the same thing. They all, Everyone recognizes this is, this is a kid that has to get better against lefties to become the superstar, the superstar that everyone has made him out to be. Until that happens, it is not Lindor. It is Jazz Chisholm. That's who it is at the moment. So two things on sort of that. Number one, obviously, there's going to be the folks that say, well, how's he going to get better against lefties if he never faces lefties? That's that's one element. But at the same time, I think there there's this happy medium, right? He doesn't have to be at the top of the order against lefties. He could be in that six spot against lefties. He could even be in the nine spot against lefties. But if he's at the top of the order against righties, then you've got sort of got your wishes. And I think like like you just said. This is Don Mattingly's very first season, truly, truly embracing these splits. And and he's constantly said, put put the team in the best position to win. He talked about the Jorge Soler pinch hit. Hey, look, the numbers are overwhelming that Jorge Soler should be in the box during that at bat against the left-handed pitcher. He's trying to go with what's putting the team in the best position to win, and that's going to influence the order. It's going to influence how much playing time there is. And when you're maintaining these guys for 162 games, there are going to need to be days off. Jazz needs of some maintenance. He's someone who who plays the game very hard. He's diving all over the place. He's stealing bases. Yeah. Need, those guys need days off. I think just sort of the rhetoric in hey, this is a natural platoon when you've got, whether it's him or Jesus Sanchez, and we'll get to both, when it comes to those young players, obviously this fan base is just excited to see those guys play. And so I, understand. I, I would just... But, but, but Jeremy, I also, yeah. also want to you know, go back to something you said because I think it is really important. So the, and, and what you said is accurate, but I want to expand on it a little bit. You said, how can... Jazz, oh, yes. Uh, get he can't get better against lefties unless you are playing him against lefties in the lineup, right? That that was was that along the well, lines. Well, that wasn't exactly how I said okay, it. That's that how I said again. that. Well, how I imagined fans would argue it. Okay, is that how could this guy get better if he doesn't have the experience okay. against the okay. left-handed okay. pitchers? So, so and what I would there are ways to say, improve. Yeah, and what I would say to fans is that's a completely accurate assessment. 
but aren't you tired of the development? Exactly. I mean, it has been four years. Do, are we still in a position here where, where you know, we're throwing guys out there like the last four years of how are they going to get better? How is Monte going to get better if you don't play him? How is Lewis Brinson going to get better if you don't play him? How is Isan Diaz going to get? And, and I understand everyone has Jazz at a different level of those players, and he has shown a lot more than those he players, without, without a doubt. But it's the, it's the same thing. I mean, sure. th- this is not a year for development. The Marlins are trying to win this right. year. And and the other thing that I would say and about about Jazz in particular is he is a he's as dynamic and as exciting as a player as they've had in a long time here. There's no question. No doubt about that. But whether or not he's batting first, sixth, seventh, or playing, you guys are still not going to these games. I don't care who is there. You guys are not going. <laughs> like literally, like some of you guys are watching on TV. Absolutely. I went to two of the three Cardinals games. There were more Cardinals fans than Marlins fans in two of the last three games. Mm-hmm. So as popular as you want to make Jazz Chisholm out to be, you're not going to the games. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, in the end, I mean, go to the games. Right. Show up in your Jazz blue hair yeah. and, and jerseys, and then I'll reassess this thing. But just because the kid is super popular, yep. it, where's the tangible evidence of that? I mean, maybe the ratings are good on TV, Jeremy. You would know more about that than me. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know. But I, I saw I saw the seas of red yeah. to, in, the, in the games that I went to. I, I when Albert Pujols was at the plate, he got more he got more uh, claps than anybody else in in that yeah. stadium throughout the whole game. Now, obviously, when the Marlins score, everyone goes crazy, and that's it's a different story. But we got to keep it real here a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I probably think Jazz is more popular nationally than he is even locally. Sorry yeah, that's to an say, interesting dynamic. Yeah, sorry to say, we're going to find out in two weeks when the All Star ballot comes out, aren't we? Yeah. So. Um, you know, to expand this a, a little well, bit. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 sort of so, dive into okay. the jazz stuff. So the so so covering jazz is is probably going to be the hardest thing that I'll do uh, covering the Marlins because there's this dynamic of this is this is the first player that I've I've engaged with and talked with that I actually that I that I actually feel like could be like my son. You know, like this is the sad <laughs> this is the sad sad part about Craig, old Craig Mish now at this point is I finally have reached the so point hilarious. where there's a where there's a like I feel like this is a kid. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. like it's it's crazy. Like I never thought I would get there. And and don't get me wrong, there's this unbelievable mutual respect, or at least I respect the jazz in the sure, sense sure. that he can play at, at this high level. But he's it's this is the first player that I look at and go. You know, I'm shaking my head. I'm like, all right, he's just a kid, and oh, you know, like this is the first time. Like right. in general, he's it's Z. always he's Gen it's, Z. He's the he's it's, the it's first. Hard. It, it, yeah, it's hard. So, so, so he had that at bat with with the umpire, the uh, the with other Phil day. Cuzzy. Yeah, with yeah, Phil Cuzzy, Phil Cuzzy in, in, last in night. Thursday sorry, night's I'm game. Yeah, losing track of time here. And 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 you know everything that happens, you know, horrible pitch by the way by that pitcher to throw him that awful O two. I mean, he should have thrown it over his head in the back just to see what would happen. I, right. I it's shocking that Yachty behind the plate would have. I know that Yachty was trying to quick pitch him, but well, how could Yachty allow anything close to the plate on that O two where Jazz is like rattled? Yep. So he hits the home run. It's a wonderful moment. He comes around home plate. Looks like he gestures something. I I don't know, but so so in the end. Uh, in the end, Jazz told me 
that that he didn't say anything to the umpire. And, and I told Jazz, look, I'm going to take him at his word. So he's also the one player where I feel like I don't think he would be particularly offended if I shared, you know, some of the conversations that I've had with him. And I'm not going to get into a lot of it because they are private conversations. But I do I would like to share at least my thoughts on, you know, sort of him Please. And, and where I and where I think this is all going. I, I you know, I, I personally it, it's hard. It's hard for me because I, I would not call like none of the old school people want to call themselves old school. I have no issue with saying that I am sort of old school. I mean, I look, I, I've been watching baseball for 40 years. I am older. This is very different for me. Um, you know, seeing a kid who just basically is like doesn't care and is just going to do what he's going to do. And we're all along for the ride just to kind of see what happens here. And it doesn't seem like he's particularly leaning on anyone else for advice. He's just going with the flow and whatever happens in the moment happens. Sometimes those things can be great. And sometimes those things can be a little hurtful, which leads me to what happened there in San Francisco where he, he you know, didn't play and he was out of the lineup. And, and to me, there, the, the line that I think that, that I would express if I was to express to jazz between the difference between doing all the things on the field and off is that he's still playing for the Marlins. The Marlins are his team, you know, and, and, and this is not like the NBA where there's just five guys on the court at once. Like there's, there's a lot that goes into a major league baseball game and, and there's, and he should never take away any of the things that he's doing on the field to make it more fun. But the line, the line does get crossed with, with things that could hurt the players on the team or the manager on the team. And when it becomes more about you than it does about the team, and that is sort of out there, I think for me, that's where I kind of draw the line because I grew up as, you know, have, having heroes in the game and, and having players that in the game. And Don Mattingly was definitely one of those guys. Like, well, I grew up in the Mattingly era. And knowing how he feels about his players – and me just sort of gut punching Don Mattingly for seven years or all the time that he's been here. Hey, Donnie, say this bad about a player. Hey, this guy is not playing well. Right. And you could not get this guy to say anything negative. He is the biggest players manager that there's ever going to be, Jeremy. I mean, this guy managed Yasiel Puig. Like mm. he, he just basically is going to always defend his guys. And so the only thing that I would... Uh, potentially con convey to a player like Jazz is like, hey, man, like this guy is always going to have your back. Always. This is like the nicest human that, yeah. that, that could possibly be. Like, <laughs> like just you'll know, be nice to Don Mattingly. You know what? Well, you, you guys should get along. Now, right. some, somebody online on Twitter says, you know, to drill him and you say, drill your mama. Sure. Right. I, no problem. Okay. I, zero problem Incredible. with that. I mean, I don't have any issue with that. I thought it was funny. Yeah. It, you know, it's not nice that somebody should say that about an individual and I totally get that, but it all goes back to me in my old school way that once, once you're separating yourself from the things that the team is trying to accomplish and making it all about you, as opposed to all about the Marlins, because he can help the Marlins in a big way, get to the postseason but they're going to, they're going to have to work together with this. You know, it's going to, it's, it, there, there can't be any divide in the house on a baseball team because I've seen this crumble before it's happened in Miami before. 
And and I, Jeremy, I just don't want it to to go that route. But I, I guess I guess the best thing that I could say is that we're just going to kind of ride this, see where it goes, see what happens, and 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 and, and I and I will share that I told Jazz that this is going to be tough for me. You know, this is this is going to be a hard cover for me just because of all the other things that yeah. that are sort of involved. I think um, it, <laughs> when it comes to the internet and Twitter and Instagram and all of these places where I'll say I live and also then Gen Z lives, right? From, you know, kids like Jazz that have grown up with social media. Uh, it's real easy to listen to what everybody has to say on Twitter about you and your teammates and where you should be in the order and your manager and all of these things. But it's also important to remember that that is just the internet. It is just a small sect of people who ultimately at the end of the day, 90% of the people contributing to these conversations, because I've got the same people in my mentions that Jazz has in, in his mentions. 90% right. of those people have, you know, 10 followers and are just a random fan, right? So, so sometimes it's about remembering who the actual people in your life and in your job and in your space are and what their influence is on your life and then what the influence of people on social media actually is because it can color your own perception of your own job and your own work and the things you do. I'm someone who lives on these websites and has that impact my thoughts all day long about what it is that I do and all of those things. And I think that, that sometimes it's important to sort of take that step back and remember, hey, yeah, you are participating in a team. You are a part of uh, of something else out here in Major League Baseball. And so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see the way that that this all works out in the next, uh, I mean, I guess the next few weeks, but into just the rest of the season, because yeah. this this has been, at the very least, an entertaining storyline for all of us to follow. Um, and yeah. the good I news driving, is, is that, uh, yeah. I was just going to say, the good news is, at least Jazz is, is right now, hey, he's backing it up at the plate. Like any of the, any oh, of the yeah, complaints no, 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 that are no. there, he's ripping the ball. So it's no, like, yeah. I mean, you know, offensively, the performance is, is yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, He's unbelievable. It's undeniable, and and again, I would I would change nothing as far as the the well. I mean, look, he's got to make better throws and some better decisions. But as far as like playing on the field and some of the things that he yeah, adds electric. to the game, it makes it very exciting. I, I would I would take away zero of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, it's you, you, uh, look. I I don't I don't know if there's anything different between this year and last year. Somebody had asked me about that like is there is there anyone that is on the club that will sort of have the conversation that needs to be had like kind of like this is a young player and what's right in their mind what's right what's wrong what's going too far what is you know what is the thing i don't, I don't think there is you know i think that's that's the thing here is that for all the great things that that miguel rojas is who's you know a great leader great family man he's incredible uh, you know, every time he sees my son, he's always very extremely kind. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that he's going to be that guy for for jazz. I just I, I don't see it. I thought Starling Marte was that guy last year. I, I think they had something going there that that appeared, you know, like a bond or, or a friendship. And you know, obviously, you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if he had a, a relationship with Derek Jeter or, or what that was. Right. I, I really I'm, I'm just not clear. But but that, that that's kind of like the missing piece here because all of a sudden if jazz is the best player on the marlins which is conceivable at this point 
like what what happens there, right. Jeremy? You know, right? Like, yeah, there is That's... no talking to to Jazz because Jazz is the guy. Yeah, and and what I would say is that like I think there's also a dynamic here that's important because I think that that sometimes um, it's really easy for not only us but but anybody in any position, whether that's that's teammates or analysts or anybody else, to sort of say, hey, here's what's quote unquote right, here's what's quote unquote not in terms of you know player behavior and and you know quote unquote antics in the dugout or whatever there might be. Sometimes it's also like, you know, the proverbial saying here of like, let the kids play. I think there's a little bit here where it's like, if Jazz has to be expressing himself emotionally on social media or in press conferences or whatever, if that's how he gets at, if, if he's just an emotional guy who wants to share what he's thinking and how he's feeling, and that's how he's going to ultimately show up and perform on the field, then let him do that. Like that's, that's of my belief where... These guys, everybody's an individual. Not everybody fits into a box. And I think that it is important to handle each player sort of differently. And there is a level of professionalism that needs to exist. We talked about it. There is a line that sort of can't be crossed. But I do think it's important to sort of handle every guy differently. And Jazz is clearly a different cat than some of these other guys on this team. He's cut from a very different cloth than Joey Wendell is, right? Or or Jesus Sanchez, who I think, you know, this is the perfect transition. Let's get into him right now. Uh -huh. Jesus Sanchez has been unbelievable offensively uh, to start this season. It, it, from my view, it's been really cool to see his his sort of, um, I mean, not only hot start, but but seeming jump and approach from from year to year here at the start of this uh, 2022 season. Hitting 356, three homers, nine RBIs. His OPS is over 1,000. Your thoughts on Jesus Sanchez, who's been ripping the ball at the top of the order? Yeah, I, I changed zero projection on Jesus Sanchez. I thought this is exactly who he was going to yep. be at the beginning of the season. I think that per plate appearance, Jesus Sanchez will end up being the best player on the Marlins this season. I still... I actually agree with you. I, I still am definitely concerned about his health. He has been unable to stay healthy in virtually every season that he's played in the big leagues. And regardless of how he plays defense in center field, I do think that that... I, I, look, I, I'm, I would never predict an injury. It's not the right thing to do. I still don't think that he makes it through the whole season playing center field. I don't. Now we'll see how it plays out. I will be happily wrong at the end of the year, but um, it's a very demanding position to play. Again, close your eyes. How many players do you comp to Jesus Sanchez in center field in the major leagues? The answer is none. So there's a reason for that. Uh, players, not every player looks like another player as far as physique and build and athletic ability, but in general, we have a lot of data to go off hundreds of years of baseball. I, I think he's gotten off to a great start, Jeremy. I think if he's on the field, he'll probably be the best Marlin this season. They have to play that load management game for me with him. And maybe it is again against left-handed, maybe against some left-handed pitching, uh, you know, once every five days, instead of, instead of having him in center, put him a designated hitter, put him on the bench for a day. No one's going to want to hear that. You have got to keep him healthy for the entire season. It's not something he's been able to do. I think that again, it, it, that that maintenance, whether it, it's look, a lot of fans are again paying attention to these first 15, yep. 20, 30 games in June when Jesus Sanchez gets a day off against a lefty, nobody's going to care. And that's like, in terms of, I hope not. <laughs> right. Well, it's just in terms of, hey, there's got to be some maintenance along the way with with these young guys who both of them, both Jazz and and Jesus, have not necessarily stayed healthy uh, yeah. for for full seasons here. And so, 
yeah, it's it's sort of important to make sure that happens. But to watch him, for what it's worth, has played a better center field than I think anticipated to start the season, has not made any sort of like major egregious mistakes out there. Um, and so that part is nice. I, I am intrigued to see when, if and when, there starts to be maintenance where he gets pushed to one corner or the other and maybe we see Brian De La Cruz play a couple of games in center field for the Marlins and and start to get maybe some more at-bats that way in the maintenance of Jesus Sanchez shifting other guys to DH maybe you don't see as much of either Jesus Aguilar or Visayo Garcia or any other bat within the order right yeah this is a good transition to the other players because in a perfect world they'd be seven and five and not five and seven. And those guys and are raking other, and we're not having conversations. And all these other guys are hitting. And yep. then Jesus Sanchez is sitting once every five days and they're keeping him healthy. And it's no big but deal. They can't do it. You know, they they have to, ha- I mean, if, if his bat is not in the lineup right now, that's a scary proposition. And so I guess that leads us to, to the other players Correct. that have been on the team. And, you know, it, it look, it has been a tough start for Miguel Rojas do I have confidence that he is going to be exactly who he was in the past? Yes, I do. I'm not yep. not concerned at all. I've watched him a long time here. He's just going through a tough stretch. Not concerned. Um, you know, uh, Garrett Cooper is getting on base a lot. He's already hit a home run. He gives you a good at bat every time he's at the plate. You know, eventually he's going to just start hitting home runs. You know this, and you know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's really, and you know, I will say this: the the one, and, and I think Fish Stripes did a nice job on this too. The one concerning player is Aguilar. As uh, you know, it just if you look at some of his stat cast numbers, it does seem like some things are way off from yeah. where they were in the past as far as his hard hit rate. I did a deeper dive and did ask about that, but I, I do think that that is the one spot that if if Jesus does not get it going, and we're still talking about this, let's say Memorial Day. Yeah. that they have a backup plan, you know, like Lewin Diaz can play first base and then Cooper go to DH or something along those lines. So the unfortunate part would be, again, he's a higher paid player on the team, but we need to watch Jesus Aguilar because that is the one I think that, that that there should be a little bit of concern about, about him to this point because some of those advanced stats and metrics are not showing what he normally is. And so you wonder what's, you know, what's sort of going on. Uh, but then the other part of this is, is that you look at the back of uh, Jorge Soler's baseball card yep. and the back of Avisel Garcia's baseball card. And you're like, what the heck is going on here? Two weeks into the season. I mean, I don't know. Has one work uh, looked worse than the other or, or they look the same. I, they're hitting the ball on the ground. Like it's just easy outs. And I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, when people complain that the Marlins didn't spend money, they gave Avisel Garcia a four year deal. They signed Soler to a pretty decent deal. If he accepts it all and doesn't yep. opt out, those guys have got to get going. And Jeremy, it's, it's, it's only 12 games or whatever. And, and you, what you said before is true. If this was June, we probably wouldn't even notice. Yeah. But I, but the Marlins told us before the season they were going to hit the ground running and they were going to get off to a good start. They have not gotten off to a good start. They are five and seven. They should at the very least be the opposite here to build sure. some trust here and build some support. They have not done that. Uh, as I said, somebody asked me the other day, what about the start? They have failed in getting off to a good start. It did not happen. Now, there's still time to get this going again in the right direction and start hitting again, but... Uh, they, they had one game in the past three where they scored some runs. This cannot happen every night, Jeremy. The only way this is going to happen is if at the very least one of those two. Yeah, one of those guys got hit. So 
I, I don't have anything to point my finger on. I don't think the organization is concerned because they just keep telling me, hey, look at look at what they've done. Look at what they've done over the course of the career. So I'm going to hang my hat on that for the time being. But I don't know. It just hasn't looked good at all in in their first two weeks. I, yeah. I think that's fair to say. It is It is sort of funny that that uh, that those two guys in particular have gotten off into to such slow starts uh, for the Marlins, considering they were the two guys who were signed. And look, Jorge Soler, like if you look at his his uh, career, he is like the ultimate second half hitter. Right. But like when you're a team that needs to get off to a hot start, when you're a team that needs to compete into June and July, you need that guy to be able to contribute, especially if he's at the top of the order right here or, or in the heart of the order one way or another. So it, it'll be uh, interesting to see what happens to this lineup when those guys inevitably turn it around. Right. Because those two guys cannot I even assume. if they're not even if they're not blistering hot, if they're just near, you know, their normal averages of what it is that they do then you know you would think that this lineup could actually do some damage but this was the same issue that they had through the first couple of months of last year was nobody was hot at the same time and so right. you need to hope that once garcia and soler get hot that hey jazz and jesus are still hot and then a guy like eric cooper is hot and then jesus aguilar is coming back together and that is the one guy that is most interesting to watch because i do think jesus aguilar and his playing time not it, it should exist. It He deserves to be in the lineup. It's only been 12 games. Uh, but if and when there was any sort of decision to maybe not play Aguilar as much, it, it unlocks a couple of different younger guys and that now all of a sudden, you know, some of those outfielders can DH and thus Brian De La Cruz gets some more at-bats. All of a sudden, there's another first base option potentially in Lewin Diaz that's a triple right. A. So when you when you get excited about some of those younger players, those are those are ways that that happens. And so the hope would be that Aguilar gets hot and is just part of this order. But if not, the good news is, is there are some MLB-ready options underneath him, which is certainly different from years past. Yeah, they have, um, a, they have a plan. They have they have like an insurance plan. Right. Know, if something didn't didn't go right there. But yeah, I mean, look, again, before we do podcasts and before I do work for the Herald, what I usually do is I start making a lot of calls yep. and having conversations about players. And the the only the only thing that I could say, not much really to say on on Avisel Garcia, I think the expectation is if you look at what he's done, he's probably going to do that. Solaire is a little bit more of a wild card here because well, the comment that was made to me is in watching him, do you see do you see what he looked like? Like the comment was made, do you see what he looked like? Yes. Well, this is sort of what he looked like in Kansas City last year. This is hmm. this is what he looked like in Kansas City. A lot of wild swings, very aggressive at the beginning of the of the at bats, not making a lot of contact. And you know, unfortunately, this is this is what he was there. He was not the same, obviously, when he got traded and then was the World Series MVP. And, and the right. Marlins are going to have to hope that's what he looks like in May. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, look, yeah. track record tells you that these guys have had strong seasons in the past. It does not predicate, Jeremy, what happens in the future. That's not what baseball is. But that's what the Marlins are hanging their hat on at this moment. So going into now a series with Atlanta, any sort of uh, last notes here, Craig, before we wrap this one up? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, again, you know, it's not the end of the world that they're five and seven. I, I you know, I'm disappointed in the start. I'm not going to say that I'm not. They've, they've played four series. They've lost three out of the four series. That's not a good way to start the year. It is not what I thought this would be. I definitely thought they'd be 
a little bit better than this. And I would, I would love them to be five and seven coming home <laughs> as opposed to going on the road for a series, but it is, it is still early. I do understand that. And there's a long, there's a long way to go, but we're, we're going to have to see this, this team start hitting a little bit. If you extrapolate five and I, I don't want to do it, but if you extrapolate five and seven over the course of the season, you know, basically they're going to fall short of where yeah. their expectations are at the end of the year. If they're two games under 500, every 12 games. So at some point they got to sniff 500. They got to get above that. They got to build some trust here. This is a tough time for them to do that, given the heater in the playoffs and the Panthers are in the playoffs and you got the draft here. And, and a lot of people are excited about a lot of other things. And, and I don't think that this is the start that they wanted to get off to, but we'll have to see how, how things progress. Uh, you know, I'll just, you know, we'll close it out just a little bit with the bullpen. Yeah, let's do it. You know that this is going to be a, a weak spot for them this season, just because they didn't really do a lot to attack it. I, I do feel confident the guys they got from the Orioles are probably going to help them quite a bit, but they really just don't have any options outside of Anthony Bender in the ninth inning, unless they go to this guy, Cole Salser, who they acquired, who does have some closing experience, but uh, you know, B- Bender has, let's be real, has been extremely shaky at the mm. start of the season. He has been, they could have won games that they lost. They could have lost games that they won folks. Like they literally could have lost opening night against Philadelphia in the ninth with JT getting a hit and Harper at the plate. And this dude misses the barrel by about two inches. It goes 20 more feet. That thing is over the fence and the Marlins lose that game, to Philadelphia on opening night. So let's keep it real. Yes. They could have won some, Yes, they could have lost some too. Another game, he gets a double play with with already putting the first guy on base. He's been extremely volatile in the yeah. ninth inning, and I don't think that's going to change. So we'll just see how the Marlins manage this, and we'll be back here in a week or two and and analyze it again. Yes, we will. Uh, five and seven start for Miami. Now they head into uh, their second in division series headed to Atlanta. You can watch those games on Bally Sports. I'm going to do the plug. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Watch those games on Bally Sports and you can, you know, follow me and Craig here at Jeremy Taché, at Craig Mish on Twitter. Uh, and be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review here on whatever platform you are listening to here on Swings and Mishes. And, and if follow- not? And if not? We drill your mama. 